Hey there, folks. This is episode four of Humans Being, and uh, you're listening to Nick, myself, and I'm joined by Ashley in America. How are you doing, Ash? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good, actually. I've been um, doing a lot of drumming, which I've told you about, mm-hmm. and um, it's good exercise, and it's it's cool to do something that you keep getting better at. Mm-hmm. Um, You've been telling me that you're you're getting into acupuncture for your your back trouble. Yes, yeah, I am right now. So I had never really considered acupuncture, and it just kind of seems like an outlier, strange thing to do. And someone had told my mom about it years and years ago because they said that her husband had really suffered with a lot of pain. I can't remember where, but <clears throat> acupuncture did wonders for him and my mom was like eh, I don't know about that so um, but we've tried many many different routes and so now I'm doing the now I'm doing acupuncture and I can say that when I get the treatments I can feel different electrical signals in my body start talking to each other oh. and because I've had such a uh, because I've had such an electrical problem, because basically I have degenerative disc and I've got, you know, different types of arthritis and autoimmune stuff, but then I was electrocuted in my spine. So I've had a really bad electrical problem. Uh, How so, were you electrocuted in your spine? Um, so I put a TENS unit on my spine, which is, uh, it's 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 a device that helps, it's supposed to kind of help um, the body get out of pain, but I accidentally put it directly on my spinal cord, which you're not supposed to do. And so, um, I turned, I turned it on and it zapped my, uh, my, like basically the root part. I know. So that's, what's been causing your new age solutions. I know. I know. Well, well, it was, I mean, it would have been fine had I placed it in the right spot. It's just that it was, you know, I put it directly on the spinal cord and the problem is because the spinal cord is an electric part of you, right? Um, putting extra electricity in there just it's kind of like plugging a, a socket into something that's uh, like a too strong of an outlet or something and I just kind of fried myself so so we're so working it's, on it it's supposed to it's actually supposed to electrocate electrocute your spine but not that much it's kind of like a stress relief candle burning your house down uh yeah it basically with a tens unit it's supposed to kind of help the because because you have pain signals going from the brain to the body right so it's supposed to kind of interrupt the pain signal and help your body uh get back onto like a pain-free channel if that makes sense but uh-huh. um but because i placed it directly where all the electricity goes because i was like well that's the spot that hurts the most so i'll just put it straight on there mm-hmm. um it, it it just basically caused it to fry. So, yeah, I know. Oh, it's a lovely. So that made it worse. So now you're getting acupuncture and you're doing, you're still going to the chiropractor. Yes. So, and I'm only going once a week to the chiropractor and I'm hoping that eventually what will happen is my inflammation will go down because my whole body has been inflamed for a very long time. And so what happens when you get inflammation throughout the spine and your your hips and everything like I have is the discs will start to swell because of that uh, inflammation. And so um, it causes your hips to go uh like it causes your hips to shift and your whole back to shift. So, cause if you can think about uh, like putting, if you have like a stack of Jenga blocks and you were to squeeze like whipped cream in between each of them, that would be like how the inflammation is going. So it starts, it makes everything start to tip in different directions. So the chiropractor just kind of lines it back up, but you have to see a good chiropractor because otherwise it can be really, really bad for you. 
So it's not just like cracking your knuckles as like a temporary kind of relief. Like has your doctor advised you to go to the chiropractor? Yes, because what happens is if you get, I've actually had um, misalignment so bad that when you would look at me, my rib cage would shift all the way over like by five inches. And I was in, I was in horrible, horrible pain. Um, but my back will get stuck like that. So you have to be, you have to put yourself back into alignment um, because otherwise the, like the, your, your pain system is just freaked out and, and the back won't, um, with whatever I have, it goes into a spasm. So it'll get into a spot and then it'll hold on to it really, really tightly. Um, to, it's trying to protect me basically, but what it's doing is uh, it, it, it makes you feel like you're in a vice grip and it's just, it's nasty. So I just, try really to be really good about n- not eating anything that's going to cause inflammation and then making sure that I get lined up quickly. So like, that's why I do the once a week right now. And the chiropractor says you might not need to keep going. You were telling mm-hmm. me the other day that the acupuncture is working so well that you might not have to keep getting your back cracked. Yeah. So eventually that's the goal is that the body stays in alignment with itself. Uh, So if you can, like with the acupuncture, we're working to reduce the inflammation so that I'm not always shifting out of place. But um, yeah, it can be really difficult to do that. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but I'm hoping that I won't have to go see the chiropractor that much anymore. Yeah, I hope so too. Mm -hmm. I hope you can find a more secure sort of um more permanent solution yeah me too it's just yeah every time i see videos of someone getting their neck popped or their back popped or their hips popped it's i just get flashbacks to when i was in my teens and i discovered that i could crack my knuckles Mm -hmm. and it became (laughs) an addiction and Mm. uh, yeah it, it feels like relief in the moment but is it actually good for your knuckles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and see, it's different when you when you when you're popping your knuckles, or when you have a if you have a a bad chiropractor, um, because anything can pop, right? Like it's uh, the 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 air pockets between your joints, basically, um, and there's a little bit of fluid in there. And what happens is when you pop the the knuckles, that air pocket goes away, and that fluid is released. Um, but the 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 bummer is if you're doing that improperly all the time, the fluid that leaks out actually causes arthritis. But when you, if you have a misalignment where like one of those um, pieces of your joints or whatever is literally pushed out of place, pushing it back in place actually reduces inflammation. So it's a catch 22, but that's why you have to be really, really careful about it. Does it not cause your body to create more fluid as a, as a counter a, a, a sort of a counteraction where it, now you've got more gas and, um, and, and that's what creates the arthritis. Uh, it, it really depends. Like if you're, I mean, that's why I, I don't ever crack my own back or anything like that because when my chiropractor uh, does any kind of adjustment, it's usually, um, it's usually through like a manual manipulation. So he's pushing things back in. There might be like a slight pop, but it's not the kind of pop that you hear like, when you do it uh, for yourself or when you're um, like when you see bad videos of chiropractors, it's not like that at all. It's like you barely hear anything and you kind of almost barely feel anything. It's just pushing the bones back into the right 
position. So it's not causing a lot of extra fluid. But if you were to just, you know, wrench your spine around, then yes, it would. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> You're always, you're always very skeptical, but I, but the reason why I keep doing it is because I took a year break from doing any kind of chiropractic treatment and my spine was just, it really, really messed up that whole year. And then as soon as I went back to the chiropractor, I started getting better where I could sit in the car a little bit more and I could walk a little bit more. So, um, yeah, so it's just something Maybe I have to do. you just need to go to the gym and do some posture correction, like help your body to grow in the direction you want it to grow. Or maybe there's some kind of brace or a harness that you can wear in your sleep or something like that. Yeah, well, and the thing is that uh, when you have the kind of inflammation that I have, even if you're braced, the body is still going to, it's going to cause inflammation and then things are going to slip out. And that's the bummer because, I mean, my posture is actually really good because of dance and everything. So I like, you know, I have um, great upper body posture. I know how to hold my lower body and I do exercises like I've been doing 20 minutes of exercise every day to make sure that things stay as much in muscle alignment as I can have. It's just that internally when I have some kind of inflammation, it's just going to cause discs to slip out. It's just, it's really annoying, but I do wear a hip brace. So that, that does help a little bit with like my larger joints. It's just that with the discs, there's nothing that you can really do unless you were to just cut me open and give me a new spine. (laughs) There's not really much, there's not much else I can do about it. Mm. Yeah. We need the Starship Enterprise. We need, um, Dr. Crusher to give you a new spine like she does with Worf. Yes, yeah. One day in the future. Yeah, well, I'm just we'll be able to 3D print a spine and we'll have yeah. AI arms that can put it into you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's coming. I know, eventually someday, yeah, but I mean, I'm just I I'm 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 really hopeful and I've been praying and I just feel like I feel like the healing will come. It's just um a matter of eating really good getting good nutrition because my whole life I haven't been able to get good nutrition because of all the um, stuff going on inside of my body. My stomach's just been like a leaky, like a leaky tea bag. So none of my, I couldn't hang on to any of my nutrition. So we're working on that. And then if my body can actually use the nutrition, you know, the nutrients to repair me, that's what, that's what needs to happen. Are you still on all of the painkillers every day? No, um, I haven't been doing any painkillers at all because um, oh. I like to know what I'm doing that causes a problem. So like if I've mm. been walking around and it's too much for me, I don't want to keep pushing it, right? Because then all that yeah. will happen is the next day I'll be That's in really a good bad point. pain. Yeah. So I just try to do things that naturally alleviate my pain. That's why I do like the hydrotherapy and I do ice and... Um, I do ice. just gentle stretching and things like that because I want to know when I'm doing something wrong. What's what ice? You mean like ICE? Mm-hmm, yeah. Just ice cubes in the bathtub. Uh, oh, no, none, none in the bathtub. I do like ice packs and stuff like that when I go to lay down for bed. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, right. that helps a lot. Yeah, putting ice in the bathtub would be miserable. I, I thought you were into some kind of liquid nitrogen treatment. No. <laughs> They do have that though, but uh, no, not 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 for me at this time. No, it's not that severe yet. Yeah, well, I mean, I probably would benefit for some from something like that, but I I would be afraid to try something like that. I don't know. Yeah, you might turn into the T one thousand from the Terminator. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. you've seen those. 
<laughs> no, but it makes me think of Han Solo, you know, when they put him in whatever that stuff is. The kryptonite, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crypt, crypt, no, kryptonite? No, no, hang on. No. I've got my Superman and my Star Wars swapped around. Yeah, uh, I don't carbon, know what's... Car- carbonite? Something like that, yeah, where he's permanently yeah. frozen. Mm, I don't want to do that. <laughs> no. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, yeah, hopefully it all goes well. Yeah. Because we need you to heal up so you can get back to teaching mm-hmm. and dancing again. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty confident it's going to happen. I'm just waiting for the right time, you know? Mm, okay. So we wanted to oh, – I actually wanted to ask you about um, one thing that we see happening – well, one thing that I see happening quite often is this weird sort of crossover between Christianity and Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And I see it all over YouTube and I see it in the news and I see it in advertising. You know, we see the emergence of this mindfulness meditation movement and mm-hmm. there are apps for it and then now there are apps for prayer. Like you, you know, set a reminder in your phone, oh, I've got a prayer for 10 minutes today at four o'clock or something. And that in itself, I think, is a bit odd. Um but you often see it being tied into this concept of meditation, like prayerful meditation, prayer meditation. Uh, what would you say is the difference from a Christian perspective between prayer and meditation? Okay, yes. Well, do you mind if I ask you a question first <laughs> um, okay. to set this up? Because I want to know... You have, you know, dabbled in Buddhism and things like that. So I wanted to know what do, when you would do meditation, and then you would, and now you've been praying. What, um, what I guess goes into it, just so that people understand what what meditation is, like what I'm going to be talking about um, from a perspective of someone who who's actually done it. Well, I came into Buddhism through the Eckhart Tolle road. So my initial understanding of meditation was that it's this practice where you sit still and you make your mind still. And instead of catching your thoughts and holding on to them all the time, you let go of them as soon as they arrive. So you envision your thoughts as these puffs of smoke that continuously evaporate. And so... It's a kind of coping mechanism for an overactive, you know, ADHD brain like mine. Mm-hmm. And so that attracted me a great deal. And so, you know, later on, I started going to a Buddhist, a uh, little Buddhist temple where I live. Uh, and then very shortly after that, COVID hit. So we couldn't keep going to that anymore. But um, the thing that struck me is, you know, oh, everyone says Buddhism isn't a religion. But the very first thing that they got us to do at this temple was to repeat the prayer to the Buddha at the mm. very beginning of the session. And they hand out the prayer card and the words and everything. It's like, yeah, this is a religion, but there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, let's just call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so meditation I found useful when it came to dealing with overwhelming thoughts it's kind of like a, an, a version of stimming. If you're not familiar with stimming, it's it, it's a repetitive physical behavior that people do to cope with ADHD or with hyperactive disorder. Um, 
some people will, you know, fidget their fingers a lot. Some people will, you know, spin on the spot. Some people will, I don't know, sway from left to right repeatedly. Uh, and I found that meditation was a similar sort of thing. And often they would suggest that you pre- you, you you meditate on gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a weird concept, isn't it? Because it's like, who am I grateful to? Yeah. Like you're implying that that there is someone you're grateful to. That you you know you're you're implying that there's a you're a person you're or or a being that's given or blessed you. But to the best of my knowledge, Buddhists don't believe in any particular god. I could be wrong about that. They believe more in what I would say maybe pantheism, where it's kind of like God is in everything and everything is in God. We are God. And like we will one day when we die, like they believe in the reincarnation, I I think. And so they kind of think that you have to go through these cycles of reincarnation until you're pure enough to be joined into like the Brahma or whatever. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, which is like just earth stuff, right? Universe stuff. It's not it's not personal. It's a force. And so that's kind of what they believe. Yeah. So yeah, meditation for me was useful for a while, but mm-hmm. I found it left me with a meaningless sort of floating through life nihilistic kind of existence mm-hmm. in my case. You know, I, it's a, it was very, very easy for me to use that as an excuse to just watch the days go by and not do anything for people or not for myself or, or not to study or to, to, to learn or to grow. Mm-hmm. Because what is the saying, you know, um, life is suffering and the cause of suffering is desire. So, okay, just just get rid of desire then, right? That's the solution. Let's just stop desiring anything and everything. Um, and you just kind of realize that is so against the grain of the design of the human being. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And then yeah. when it came to... Um, prayer what did you feel th- what did you feel differently well with prayer there's a recognition and acknowledgement and admiration and love for a being responsible for your life and your privileges and the beauty of the world around you and a recognition of the fact that I didn't put myself here, I didn't design myself, I didn't create the universe, none of this is my responsibility. I'm responsible for interfacing with it mm-hmm. appropriately and, and, and growing and learning about God, but... Um, there's something infinitely bigger and smarter and wiser and more creative and more powerful than myself. It's like if, if you if you struggle with pride problems, which I certainly do, I find it helps 
to think about that and to to come to God and say, "You, that th- this is this is your design. This is your doing. You give and you take, and you you, you take away just as easily. Um, you know me better than I know myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like the Bible says. You know, the, the heart is deceitful." Mm-hmm. And so, in the case of, medit- of meditating, it really—it's it, just kind of pursuing an escape, and you, you want to get more into the moment. Well, basically, that means you want to pursue what feels right at the time. Mm-hmm. What feels what feels good is maybe a better a, a better sense. Um, what feels good. That's to me. I think that's what meditation is, it, and that's what a nihilistic lifestyle ultimately centers itself around: is is the pursuit of what feels good right now. Mm-hmm. And so you spend your days playing video games for a long time, and eating garbage, and watching trash. You basically just end up chasing dopamine. It's really interesting how all of this mindfulness meditation stuff has emerged right at the time of you know social media reaching such a pinnacle mm-hmm. where everyone is swiping for that dopamine rush yeah and i think it it offers a false sense of peace because we live in such a frenetic quick paced yes. life that it offers us something that's like oh this is this is peace right but it's a false sense of peace yeah yeah. And why would you say it's a false sense of peace? How would you how, how would you um break that down? Yeah. So I've always seen meditation in the in the Buddhist sense to be something where it is emptying myself of my uh my my sentience basically it's it's almost like you you said this at one point in one of our podcasts where it almost kind of puts you in a vegetative state right where you're not you're mm. more vegetable than um than human right uh mm-hmm. and i feel like the lie and this this goes with um this also goes with drug culture this goes with hookup culture. This goes with many, just, it's, a, it's one of the many ways, basically, in order to um, almost vomit the human, soul, the human soul out into the void. Because we don't want to often deal with the fact that we are souls that are trapped in these cursed bodies, right? We live in a cursed atmosphere. We don't live in perfection. And we long for perfection. So we will do anything. Like, you know, people will, um, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll get on a drug high or they will get high off of a person or they will try this meditation stuff. And what it is, is it's blanking out. It's like, it's like trying to get the blue screen of death in your soul, right? Because that way you don't have to deal with anything, but not Mm. dealing with anything makes you worse off. Like if you have cancer or you're sick or, um, you know, you have whatever problem you have in your body, just ignoring it makes it worse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it might feel good. Like you were saying that feel good portion, it might feel good in the moment, but you're not actually living out your calling, which is to be strong and particularly to be strong in the Lord, to face your real enemy because you have an adversary who hates your soul just because you're human and God loves you. You know, Satan hates us. 
Um, and then it, it, it's taking you away from any relationship from people around you and with a relationship to the material world, to the earth that we are supposed to care for and to God. So it depersonalizes you completely. So you, you're basically not a person anymore. So would you say then that it leads you into a state of pacifism? Um, you mean like not, you mean not fighting? Uh, yeah, just kind of taking a back seat to everything, including yes. to yourself and your own life. Yes, because it, um, it doesn't, it, there's no incentive anymore. Um, there's like the way that God set up the world is that even though basically in the beginning we were, we were at perfect peace with God and all that. And then when the curse came, he really set it up. I've been thinking about this a lot. Why, why do we have pain and the necessity of pain? When you're in a cursed environment, pain is an indicator of something is wrong. Whereas before, when it, when things weren't fallen, they weren't cursed, right? You didn't need pain because there's no there's no uh, there isn't anything wrong to go wrong, right? But but in a cursed world, if I didn't know that my hand was like it, it, basically in a cursed world, I can die, right? I can get injured, I can get hurt. If I put my hand in a fire but had no pain receptors, my hand would just burn and I would lose the hand, right? I'm still gonna suffer the physical consequence even if I don't have the pain. If I didn't know that, um, like if I didn't know pain emotionally, I wouldn't know who I loved and who I didn't love. There would just be nothing, which is kind of what this meditation thing comes down to. It mm. makes it so, it, like when it says don't desire anything, that takes away all all forms of love. If I didn't if I didn't miss someone, how would I know that I loved them, right? Uh, yeah. Because it differentiates. Like I I miss some people more than others, right? There's there's some people that you're like I really want to be able to like talk to this person and this person maybe not so much, but I know that because of the the pain that the separation causes me. In heaven there won't be that because we will be in perfect unity with God and with each other. There won't be any more pain to like to indicate to me anymore when things are wrong. But if you try to take away all pain, you've basically taken away any indication of this is right or this is wrong. And you've also um, taken away the game aspect because in in life as it is with the cursed world right now, there's this game aspect of, okay, you need to be able to avoid this and do this and be strong. And in the end, you'll be rewarded, right? But when you take away... Um, pain and personalization, it's like, um, none of it matters. It just doesn't matter at all. Yes. Like if you make everything relative, then why is this any better than that necessarily? Exactly. And then you can see why people, um, well, you can see why we have hookup culture with that, right? Well, one, one man or one woman is just as good as the next. And that takes away the idea of the beloved. It's like, no, no, no. It, like when you really understand the concept of the beloved, which is how God feels about us, right? And how we're supposed to feel about God and how we're supposed to feel about each other. The idea of the beloved is that no one else will do except for this one person. And when you, when you take that away and you're left with hookup culture, it reflects right back to our relationship with God. It's like, eh, you know, one thing is just as good as the next. Um, you know, one thought is just as good as the next. One deity is just as good as the next. Um, instead, of, instead of having this particular entity that is the one for you, if that makes sense. Mm. Yes. And if you follow that road to its conclusion, then you'll find yourself 
saying things like, you know, death is no worse than life. Yes. And life is no better than death. That's that's the logical conclusion of the whole relativist thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Which goes completely against the Christian understanding of heaven and hell, which is basically presence and absence, right? It's the presence of God versus the complete absence of God. And if if God is love, is goodness, is, um, you know, it says that there's pleasures at the right hand of the Father, um, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. So all of our good things come from God's presence, like his, um, it, it, it emanates from himself. It's not like, oh, God is a good guy. It's like, no, God is goodness. You know what I mean? When, when I say that like, oh, my teacher was good, I don't mean my teacher was absolutely perfect and 100% the absolute goodness, right? I mean, like they have good qualities. God isn't like that. He is love. He is goodness. And so when you deny the existence of him or or the fact that he is the soul's beloved, you end up with absence, which is hell. And if you think about, well, the absence of all goodness is total evil, right? So it becomes, if, if you if you say like, oh, you know, death is just as good as life or whatever, um, everything, like you were saying, it becomes super relative and it doesn't change it doesn't change metaphysics but it changes how you live your life so you can you could live in a world that is true and be living a lie and completely miss your life that's what i feel like meditation and all these different things it, that's what it does it just gets you to believe a lie and to waste the time that you have yes and to be indifferent mm-hmm. um which i think it's safe to say god was anything but indifferent Uh, when he made this and put us here. Yeah. Uh, What do you say to people who who would, like if, because I think a common question for for non-believers is if God is all good and if God is love, why did he create evil? Did Mm -hmm. he create evil or did he will it to exist? Mm-hmm. Why did he do that? Yeah, and so um, I do not believe that God created evil. Evil is something that is, it, again, it's the absence of God. Because as soon as, like, I think a lot of times in people's theology, they forget that the material world exists. <laughs> like, they don't mean to, but they forget about this thing. If I'm going to make, um, if I'm going to make, like, if I had an, a little animal in front of me and I said, okay, I want, I want you to be able to talk and think and speak, um, but have no free will. You're just going to be there for me to talk to, right? That creature would do everything that I wanted it to do, but it would it would be no better than buying those little robot animals at the store, right? You push the buttons and it responds in a certain way, right? As soon as I give it the ability to know itself and to know things around it, it starts to be able to make choices, right? So it could choose its proximity to me or not. Like if I called it and it didn't want to come, well, it's it's going to be farther away from me, right? And the farther something is away from me, the less I can have a relationship with it, right? If it, if it refuses to talk to me. So when it comes to what God did with creation, he cre- it's almost like he created something that was really beautiful and made out of glass. It was breakable, but it's beautiful, 
right? There's like, there's certain, we bring out the good chinaware or the good glassware and we don't always eat off the plastic when we're having a nice party, right? So it's like God throws a party for the universe and he brings out the nice glassware. However, it can be broken. Now, the ability to break is a consequence of making something that that beautiful and that delicate, but it's not like God was going around smashing plates. If God did that, then yes, in a sense, he created evil. Instead, he created beings we're given the opportunity. Do you want to break the plate or do you want to keep it nice? You know, so it's just a, it's a natural consequence of having something nice like that. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Um, I think it's an, an interesting point about that is when you think about God making Adam and Eve and very quickly, um, you know, Eve takes a bite from the forbidden fruit. Mm-hmm. And Adam and Eve fall fall away from God and and decide to sin. Now God had to have known this would happen. Mm-hmm. God wasn't crossing his fingers and exercising some positive thinking. No. <laughs> so that's yeah. So, so I mean, if if that's the case, then. You know, where does that leave us? And um, yeah, if because I suppose if if God wants, uh, if He wants children and if He wants a family and He wants us to love us, well, that has to come from a position of free will, and Mm -hmm. free will just by its nature has to like it, it. It necessitates the possibility to do wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because the problem is, I think that God counted the cost. I mean, like even in, I can't remember where the verse is, but it says that Jesus was basically, because God is outside of time and space too, that's something that people forget about all the time. It's not that God, I don't believe that God willed for certain families, family members of mine to hurt me, right? And I don't think that he wills that I sin, right? But I have the choice to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that God's master plan for the end isn't going to be fulfilled. It is. He's going to use every crack and every hurt and every pain for the ending to be good. But it doesn't mean that he wills those things. God does not will that someone is raped. God does not will that... um a child is abandoned. God doesn't will that people get divorces, right? But but he it, allows for it, doesn't he? Yes, but he allows it because we have to live in this open free world, free will world where we because a lot of times I think that people don't understand the gift that God gave us with the um we have like a an ability and a responsibility to act within God's will, but we can choose to be outside of it. And that is a huge, because I think a lot of times we want to blame God. Like, well, if God was, if God was, you know, so big, he could just do this and do that and make everything perfect and well. He could, but that would mean that he would have to straightjacket everyone and no one would get their free will. And people wouldn't like that any more than God allowing free will. Like, yeah, that's right. We wouldn't you know, like that at all. And, no. Um, what if every time, you, 
Yeah, exactly. What if every time you went to eat something bad, the food just evaporated in front of you, right? Like you would just be upset. <laughs> you, you would never be making the choice to do well for yourself, right? Mm, God doesn't you want that. He grow. No. No, and he, he wants us to he wants us to choose him and he also wants us to choose strength. There's something about I, I even in this cursed world I can choose to ask God to help me and to fill me with his spirit so that I'm aligned with his will and I'm in love with him and I can be strong. And there's something about that that is that um is very glorious and that's what he's called us to do. But he has to allow us the choice to not do that as well, because otherwise it's not born out of love. It's either born out of um, a, a tyranny, right? Which God is not tyrannical. He really isn't. Um, or it's born out of fear. Yes. And I think a lot of people, like especially newcomers, don't understand that God has this responsibility to justice and to be mm -hmm. justice and to be absolute morality. And so if someone goes and commits murder or rapes or, or does some, commits some terrible crime and the judge says, oh, well, we'll give you a bit of a lesser sentence this time because of, well, that is now a failure of morality. That's a, that's a complete collapse Mm -hmm. of justice. So morality, I think, needs to be absolute. Yes. So it, you can't go and complain when, you, you know, planes fly into the, tra the, 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 the World Trade Centers in New York or, um, I mean, it is horrible. And, but it, you, I don't think it's fair to blame God for mm -hmm. that. We have to look no. at ourselves and realize, damn, we are fallen. Like we are yeah. really screwed up to yeah. to to lead a society to a place where this can happen. Yeah, exactly. And I think sometimes, and I would like your take on this because I know part of where you came from and part of the questions that you had. But I think that humans accepting the fact, I know we were saying this, I think in the very first episode, the, the, the painful fact that we are fallen and that so much of, I mean, it really is our fault that we are in the situation that we're in because mm. we are broken and we are fallen. But I think that taking on that responsibility and seeing God as our um, our helper out of the situation versus the person who put us here. You know, it's um, like, oh, how dare you have made me? Um, and then you made me with, you know, like it, God didn't make us with a sin nature. He made us with the ability to choose. And we chose that in the beginning. Mm. Now we all have a sin nature. But it's like we throw out the baby with the bathwater. We get so mad because we don't want to take personal responsibility for our own actions and also like the beauty of God God I mean God is like take take any computer right and all the billions and billions of calculations it would have to make to make every single thing in every person's life if they choose God to work out for the benefit of all the end of time like that's a in that you know the calculation is insane we don't ever take that into account because we're only thinking about our own life but I kind of wanted to get your thoughts and feelings on what do you think about uh, I guess the idea of personal responsibility and looking towards God as our help versus looking towards him as the one who hurts us. Well, that's the view I used to take 
years and years ago, I used to think if there is a God, he must be a sadist. Because who other than a sadist would create would create something just for the purpose of setting it on fire and putting it in the middle of a huge vacuum of space and nothingness and rock and gas. You'd have to be a sadist to do that. Uh, but, well, I, I think that's until I realized that life is a tremendous blessing and that God loves us a great deal. I mean, he, he he must love me a great deal to be as blessed as I am because I still can't explain why. Uh, I, I, I don't have that kind of love for myself or I, I, I wouldn't know how to love someone else that way. And um, I, I think God kind of creates... There's a very clear sort of contrast in the universe between light and dark, right and wrong, good and bad. And like we were saying, morality is, is, is definitely there and it is absolute. And I think a big part of that is so that we can understand God's nature. Mm-hmm. You know, when something awful happens, it's, it's, it, it, it is kind of, in a sense, glory to God's nature in the sense that it's the opposite of what would happen if we followed God and if we embraced Christ and if we mm. if, if we didn't fall from him as we did in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, putting your hand in the fire. It, it's not a good, well, I mean, it, it's not a nice thing, but it is a good thing to learn that you should never, ever do that again, lest you might burn mm-hmm. your hand off completely. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like people, you know, I, I think a, a big pride problem is is saying, "Oh man, God really did not do well with this." <laughs> if it was me, I would have made a universe where no evil was possible, and um, people would just be loving and caring all the time. And that kind of leads you down the authoritarian road. Mm-hmm where people aren't people, they're robots. And yeah. there's now a huge amount of oppression. And, 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 and But that's an interesting thing. Like, what would you say to people who would say, you know, isn't God a dictator? Like, he lays down all of these laws and rules and, and values and casts people into hell if they, if they don't follow them. That makes God a dictator and an authoritarian, doesn't it? You know, it's very interesting because I think that we forget sometimes that nature is physical. And so if I am close to a fire, I'm warm. If I'm far away from the fire, I'm cold, right? Mm. And if God says, stay about this close to the fire and you'll be safe and you'll be warm and you'll be all good. Mm. If you go away from the fire... You're going to be cold, you're going to get hypothermia, and you're going to die. And I could say, well, how dare you tell me that I'm going to get hypothermia? Like, wh- who, who, said that you could, who said that you could say that to me, right? But it's just a fact. It's not like, um, it's, it's a physical fact of being, right? Um, because we have bodies and an interface, 
and we have souls, they've got to go somewhere, right? And the thing about hell is that if I, because God is, God is a gentleman. He's not going to make me be close to him, right? It's like making someone marry you. Not cool, right? You have to have this consensual thing where it's like, I love you. You love me. I want to be close to you. Let's do this, right? So if God said, basically he proposed to all of humanity and he's like, I would love to be with you. And if they say, no, thanks, right? Well, the opposite of, because God, his name in, in, uh, when he was talking to Moses and, and Moses said, tell me your name. I, you know, I got to like tell these people who's speaking because I think it's just me. And he said, I am. And it took me forever as a kid. I was like, what do you mean? I am. That doesn't make any sense. But then when I got older, I was like, oh, he is being, he is what it means to be right? I mm. am. He's the great I am. If right. I say, if I, if I say there's, I am over there inviting me to be with him, right? To live and exist with him. If I say no, thanks. That means I say I am not. And I have to deal with the fact that I am forever being undone and I am forever become like becoming less and less and less. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Because we, we're going, yeah, I think you're right. I think people do, don't, people fail to understand that morality is ingrained in the fabric of the universe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's in the laws of physics, the laws of thermodynamics, etc. It's, you can find it, you'll see it, you know, in, in a microscope, but you'll see it a lot more clearly in, a, in, in the Bible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And people just, they, it's like they want their theology to not be physical, but it is. And even, even the whole idea, you just read Revelation, you know, so you, you'll, you understand this a little bit more, but the body is never going to go away because it's how we interface with each other. If I was going to create another being separate from me that I could have, like, I mean, the fact that God came up with the five senses blows my mind. I wouldn't, like, I would not be able to think of that. You know what I mean? Like, who mm. would think of taste or like, you know, or like, oh, you know, touch. I mean, I, I don't under, like, my brain can't fathom that, right? We just mm. kind of take it for granted because it's like, oh, whatever, you know, a body. But imagine not having a body. Yes, yeah, and I think when people say, oh, what's with all these rules? Like, who are you to put these rules on me? Um, there is, you know, there, there, can't, there can't be God and there shouldn't be a God. Well, you know, prove to me that there isn't. Mm-hmm. Because I can sure as hell prove to you that the universe is full of truths and laws and realities. You should become responsible and you should take mm-hmm. responsibility for your for your actions and you should mature in your you, 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 you should mature in, in your conduct and you should love one another and mm-hmm. you know good things happen from that um yeah you know if you cut somebody they bleed and eventually they die if you it, it's going to be very interesting to see how self-driving cars make these kind of moral discernments um, Mm -hmm. when they're running at speed down a busy road with people walking on both sides. Uh, Yeah, it's just, it's, I think it's, you've got your work cut out for you to try and say that the universe is completely relative Mm 
and indifferent and that everything is what we make it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and good story goes completely against that. Like when you have good old fairy tales, good literature, and that all stems from the Bible, like all the metaphysics of the Bible, everything that we know as humans goes against that, even when we try to be relative. Like if, if someone always gave this... Um, what do you call that example of if someone says, well, you know, I don't believe in absolutes and what's good for you may not be good for me, blah, blah, blah. Well, if I go and key your car, you're going to be mad, right? That's, Mm. that's an, like, that's an absolute fact. Or if I punch you in the face, you're going to be hurt and you're not going to like that, right? I could Mm. say, but it makes me really happy. And they're like, yeah, but that offends me, you know? And then it's like, well, who are you to say that it hurts you? It's a, right. it's a physical fact. It's a physical law, you know? Um, and I, I, I guess my question, too, about, like, kind of coming back to the meditation aspect of all of this is um, what do you feel about the personal idea behind prayer? Like, it's you and God talking. What, what creates the... Um, what 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 feels different about that versus uh, m- just meditation? Well, I think meditation is a form of self-help, which is exactly how most of the books are categorized and published. Is It's a self-help book. Um, you're not seeking a greater wisdom or a greater compassion or a greater understanding than your own you're trying to work it all out yourself and failing to do that which you probably will you 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 turn to pacification you you turn to self-soothing which is the whole idea of letting go of your thoughts mm-hmm. and not dealing with them not dealing with this or that just basically just acknowledging reality but then trying to ignore it until it comes back and bites you in the ass or punches you in the face, uh, which it will. So I think when you pray, you're giving your problem to God. Mm-hmm. You're saying, you know, God, you put me here, you created me, you created this universe, and all of the circumstances that have led up to the predicament that I'm in now, what do I do? How do I deal with this? I think humbling yourself is a huge part of following God. I think if you, if you, if you, if you have pride problems, if you have no humility, you're going to have a big problem with prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember who it was that said, but it might have been John MacArthur that said, you can't follow Christ if you feel that you're a victim. Yeah. And it's true. And that's not a nasty, judgmental thing to say. It's just, I mean, who, if not Jesus, was a victim? You know, Jesus was the victim, and he never saw himself as the victim, despite Mm -hmm. everything that was done to him and said about him. And to this day... You know, he still doesn't see himself. He he never he never did see himself as a victim. He knew that he was going to face tremendous persecution, and 
I think you know humility is. You, you hear the Buddhists talk about this, but they they describe pride more as ego, hmm. ego management, and I think that's a good start. That's that's really helpful. But without acknowledging Christ and what He submitted Himself to and went through for you and for me and for everyone else, you know, for the, the, the salvation of your soul and your moral fiber and your understanding of the world, without submitting yourself to a bigger, more, a, a wiser, more powerful being, you, you, you'll never be truly humble. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's yeah. a fair statement? I, I definitely. And I also think that, like, when you can't see, uh, you were saying just, you know, how how Jesus wasn't a victim. He didn't, he didn't, he wasn't looking at his present circumstances and complaining about it. He saw into the future of the salvation of his people. And even, like, there's that one prayer, it's in John, that I absolutely love where he's talking about, um, like, thank you for all the children, God, that you have given me, you know, the ones that are present and the ones that are to come. Like he was thinking, it was almost like labor for him. He knew if I do this, I am giving birth to an entire new civilization that will eventually be perfectly united with, with me and God. And I think that when we look at our circumstances and we play that victim or we get proud about, you know, thinking that we know better about this and that, um, we're, we, we're becoming very, very temporal. We are not tapping into eternity. Um, we're not seeing the big picture. We're not seeing that there's something outside of ourselves. Because so often when we, when we feel like we're in pain, we tunnel into ourselves, right? We just, all we can see is self, self, self. This hurt me. That person offended me, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, the universe isn't about you. I'm sorry. It's just not. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think being in constant physical pain has taught me is that you cannot always avoid pain. In fact, sometimes you must face it down, stare it dead in the eye, you know, go to the, go to the battle. And it, it makes me think of that's what Jesus did um, for mm-hmm. us on the cross. He wasn't seeing like, oh, all these people are hurting me. He, no, no, no. He saw this is a battle and my battle is not against these people. My battle is against evil itself and I'm going to mm. destroy it. And against the, the, the repercussions of sin, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's important to realize that there's many different kinds of pain. There's yes. loneliness, there's depression. You know, I, I know a lot of people who go through those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just going to your local church for a couple of hours and just talking to people can be the difference between someone deciding to kill themselves or to maybe think about life in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not your position to know. I think it's your, it's your duty to make it possible and mm-hmm. to make the effort and to try. Uh, there's been a few times where I've woken up in the morning and I've, I've been like, man, I don't know what to do today. God, please just you know, help me with what to do. And the next thing I know, I've, I've, I just, I've got this feeling like I've got to go for a walk. I have to just go for a walk. Um, and then I do, and I bump into this homeless guy, 
who's really struggling and I think, oh, okay, maybe I should go and get some money or, or buy this guy some food. And so that's what I ended up doing with my day. Mm-hmm. Or I'll get to the church for my drumming practice early in the morning, but I've forgotten my damn keys. Okay, so now what do I do? Just, you know, and so the next thing I know is I, I'm going into the church anyway, and I'm helping a whole bunch of people out with tables and setting up for the arts and crafts thing on Wednesday, and then talking with all these people about all sorts of life stories and things, having coffee, uh, talking to this pastor, talking to that pastor. You know, come 4 p.m., I'm exhausted, but I'm invigorated and I'm inspired mm-hmm. and I've, 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 I've made a difference in somebody's day as they have made in mine. Mm. instead of being yeah. there just to follow my own pursuit. So I think that's a big thing with Jesus is is to give yourself yes. to others. Yeah. yeah, And to give God all your time. I remember feeling just so frustrated as a kid because every time I would sit down, like every time I would sit down to do one of my own projects, it, my name would be called. You know, I mean, I was like, I was doing everything at the house, doing all the cooking, all the cleaning, taking care of all the kids, going to school. And then anytime I would just be like, I just want to sit down and write, someone would, you know, and I just, it had it. But I remember I just said, okay, God, you know, for whatever reason, you've deemed this for me. I, I feel like one day I'll be able to write. It's not now. And I just have to be, I just have to give myself into this is all of your time. This is not my time. And it takes a lot of humility. And like what you were saying, God, like God knows what we need to do or what we should be doing. And we don't, you know? So when we have the humility to say, God, here's my day, you know, here's my time, here's my money, here's, here's all my talents, everything. I don't know really what to do with all this. And you see the grand picture and I don't. And so if I have the humility to say, God, there you go. I mean, whatever you want me to do with it, I promise I won't run away and avoid this and that and avoid try to avoid pain. I'll just do what you're asking me to do. Our lives are so much more full than they could ever be with just our own direction. Absolutely. Yeah, because this isn't our software program. Mm-mm. This is this is God's domain. This is his fabric. This is his tapestry. So when you follow his laws and his rules, y- and you turn to him for help and for advice and for a sense of love and meaning. Uh, it's, you know, God does say don't pursue omens, don't pursue spiritualism. But if you follow, like if, if, you, if you interface with, I'm using very mechanical sort of matrixy That's what I terms. use, I know. <laughs> if you interface with the software as the developer has written it and intended it to be interfaced with, then you will see magic and good things will happen. Mm-hmm. Mm. Maybe that's a bit of a crass, sort of a reductive way of putting it. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I, th- I think it's also important just to stress Absolutely. that Jesus wasn't yeah. just about changing your actions. And he really wants... Right. He was, he was more about really changing wants people to, your heart. Um, oh, hang on. Hang on, Nick. My, my thing is looking funny on the... It looks like it stopped. I don't know why. It's Okay, is it going still? Okay, hang on. I just want to make sure that this is actually still recording. It's it, like it shrunk down and looked funny. Okay, it's still going. Okay, cool. Um, 
But um, so what were you saying? Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, I guess the last thing that I would uh, just wrap up with oh, no, is I said what the, I needed the to difference, say. I yeah. think, between the meditation and We're prayer up to an hour really anyway, so. love and personalization. And, and to remember, too, that like God wants to talk to us. And, and all the laws are o- just, they're only set up to bring about love. You know, eventually we won't even be thinking about the law in heaven because we won't we won't need that for our sin nature we will naturally follow it as an instinct but if you remember every day that, that god doesn't just want you to be good he wants you to be in relationship with him and goodness is kind of like a a byproduct of that right it's not about like okay I, now i need to be good so that god's happy with me no god is goodness right. and god is love and the more you're around him the more you're going to become good and loving because of him. It's all on him. It's not on us. Um, and when we are, when we remember that God, like, I get so excited because when I think about, okay, God wants me to be with him forever. He's He's built a room in his big old house, wherever that is, you know, for me. He, he made that for me. He wants to, like, he wants to, he wants to have me near him. He loves me. And everything else is just, everything that I do is just born out of that love. You know, he came, he died for me because he loved me. He wants me to do certain things because he loves me. You know, it's all because he loves us. And so like when you became a Christian, um, it says that the angels in heaven rejoice. You know, it says that they throw a party in heaven because someone has come home. You know, it, it's, it's all of this, like, yes, you know, Nick is going to be there. We're so excited. Like God is excited. Jesus is excited that you personally are going to be there. And when you press into that relationship, aspect with him everything else just comes pretty naturally you know Mm. yeah i think you're right about saying that god wants a wants you to pursue a relationship with him Mm -hmm. i think that's right it's not just about doing you know checking the right boxes it's about yeah. growing i think in god and in christ as a person and mm-hmm. and learning to enjoy and his otherness and his presence that's a huge aspect that's different from meditation meditation leaves you all as alone, you only can whereas him. prayer is like sometimes you don't even have to be speaking it's just Sitting there and being like, okay, God, I'm, I'm being quiet and I'm being in your presence and letting you just love my soul, you know? Um, and we really are married to God. Like, that's a weird mind-bending thing, but it's like marriage is always just a picture, a, a very faint picture of of how God feels about us. And you you never want your spouse to just like, okay, we did our Tuesday date and check it off and I'll, you know, talk to you next week. You know, it's 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 about living together and and being in a constant contact. And that's what God wants with us. He wants us to desire him and enjoy his presence. And and like I said, everything just kind of flows from that. Yeah, and I think it's a good topic for maybe the next episode is like okay, we've talked about the difference between prayer and meditation. Maybe mm, we should yeah. cover the difference between worship and 
self-soothing behaviors. The difference between worship and music, you know, is worship mm -hmm. is music worship, mm -hmm. or is it just ritual? Is it just you know dopamine? Um, is it enough to say to somebody, mm -hmm. "God loves you"? Yeah, I just think we're going to meditate both argue that on that. A lot God loves you. It. Just meditate but on that. But it would be really good to unpack um, that. Yeah. Or is there a lot more to it? Yeah. Hmm. It would. Thank you for okay. yours well, this too. Has been I, I episode really appreciate four of humans being. Um, it's been a really interesting talk, Ash. Thanks again for your wisdom rush, and your time. Um, there's just always new, new insight and new knowledge. So I appreciate that, and thank you so much for your time as well. Sounds good. Bye, everybody. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. Um, yeah, we'll see you guys again for episode five next time.